Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Another week is rolling, so jump on in with me. Buckle up and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, inflation is all around us. It's affecting everything, including the cattle business here in Texas. At the recent Texas Cattle Feeders Association's annual meeting up in Oklahoma City, Cattle Facts CEO Randy Block talked a lot about the effect inflation is having on raising cattle. We'll have more on that story to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Fertilizer prices are at intimidating levels these days. And that's why Texas High Plains farmers are being advised to get soil testing done. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. As the La Nina weather pattern settles in, the November forecast looks to be warmer and drier than normal across Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The success of American agriculture starts with the land. So what's in an acre? I'll have some answers on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Inflation is here to stay and it's having a big effect on the cattle business. That was the word at the recent Texas Cattle Feeders Association annual meeting from Randy Block, CEO of Cattle Facts. He says the cost of running any business is going up, including a feed yard. Well, I'm, I think we'll see cost of gains continue to stay more elevated. You know, just the cost of doing business. You know, vehicles are going to cost more, still already cost more, energy costs more, fuel costs more. The list goes on and on and on. And, and ultimately, you've got to pass that down. So, again, the wholesale markets have already got a lot of that type of stuff built into them. But we, don't, we haven't been able to share in that yet at the fed cattle level. But that'll change in here as we work into tighter numbers. And it's a trickle-down effect throughout the cattle industry. Replacement cattle are going to cost more, or cow-calf producers need paid better. They need more money. Stocker operators, you know, the cost of inventory is going to go up. And, again, I think uh, we've talked about that now for the last 12 to 18 months where we are in the cattle cycle. None of that's changed. Again, it's just a matter of when we get the front end cleaned up and the markets can start to express themselves. Block says the feeding sector just hasn't had the leverage to bring fed cattle prices up over the last couple of years. But with shrinking cattle numbers, that leverage should return in the next few months. It was reported earlier this year that Mexico was banning imports of genetically modified corn, but that's not exactly the case. 
Yes, they are banning GMO corn for human consumption. But it doesn't prohibit or prevent the U.S. GE corn from coming into the country for the feed that they need. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, who spent a couple of days recently with Mexican Ag Secretary Villalobos, who made it clear that Mexico does need U.S. corn for its livestock industry. And there's not going to be a restriction based on uh, on whether or not uh, the, the corn is GMO or not. Now, we're going to make sure that that promise that he's made is actually carried through in, uh, on the ground, but uh, certainly reassuring to me that the secretary understands the necessity of keeping uh, that trade route uh, open to our corn. Last year, over one-fourth of all U.S. corn exports went to Mexico, worth over $2.5 billion. Texas Corn Producers is holding its annual Turn Row Tonight event on November 13th in historic Green, Texas. The event is designed to foster conversation on the efforts of the Corn Checkoff and Association, as well as opportunities for Texas corn production moving forward. The evening will feature an enjoyable meal and musical entertainment. They're also planning a Turn Row Tonight event on the High Plains of Texas coming up in January. Check out TexasCorn.org for more information. Fertilizer prices are through the roof right now, and that makes soil testing more valuable than ever. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. Even with some good yields for summer crops across the Texas High Plains and strong commodity prices to go with them, area farmers' celebration has been undermined by those high input costs we keep talking about. Fertilizer carries a really hefty price tag right now, which is a big concern as farmers plan for next season. So, Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid is urging farmers to have some analysis done. I just can't emphasize enough that people need to be soil testing this year. We have a lot of good independent crop consultants, crop consulting organizations that do this type of soil testing. Uh, retailers here in the area, most of them are set up to do soil testing. So I, I just highly encourage this is the year for growers to be soil testing so we're not wasting any high input fertilizer cost. Of course, soil testing is designed to determine what a field has retained in the way of carryover nutrients from the previous season. If there's a good amount there, fertilizer purchases can be cut. But French says if fertilizer is needed, it's a worthwhile expense, especially with today's commodity prices. I'll give you an example. Let's say you know, as a good rule of thumb, it takes a pound of nitrogen to make uh, a bushel of corn or a bushel of sorghum. All right, so a pound of nitrogen a day, depending on what form you get it in, is going to be you know seventy to ninety cents per pound. So you're spending say eighty cents on the average to get a bushel of corn, and still worth you know five fifty to six dollars a bushel. You know that's still you know six seven times return on your investment. So if you uh, you know cut twenty pounds of nitrogen off your average farm rate and it cost you 20 bushel per acre in corn because you needed it, you're going to regret doing that. That's Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. November weather in Texas may be warmer and drier than normal. Tom Nicoletti checks in with a Fort Worth meteorologist for the forecast. My guest from Fort Worth is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw. And Tom, we get together again to look at the current month of November as the La Nina weather pattern is moving even more swiftly across the southwestern United States and Texas, which uh, means warmer temperatures, drier conditions than normal. And that's indicative on the Texas drought monitor as well. 
It definitely is. And you mentioned La Nina. The La Nina pattern typically gives Texas warm and dry conditions during the uh, fall and winter months of the year. You mentioned the Texas drought monitor. Unfortunately, um, we're starting to see some areas of at least abnormally dry to perhaps even moderate to severe drought starting to crop up across parts of West Texas and parts of Northeast Texas, as well as parts of the Deep South. And that pattern, unfortunately, is going to probably intensify and spread to other parts of the state as we go through the latter part of the year. So as people are raking their leaves in the month of November, that's what they need to expect weather-wise. Obviously, as we get into November, we start to get more cold fronts coming into the area. It starts to cool off. Highs will start to drop into the 50s and 60s across a good part of the state. But at the same time, a lot of those temperatures will remain above what we would normally expect to see for the month of November. Then on the precipitation side, it's going to be relatively dry. We'll have a few fronts bringing in a few showers and thunderstorms, but by and large, most of the state is going to be pretty dry through the month of November, on into December for that matter. We start to see uh, freezes become an issue for the panhandle in the early parts of November. Then through the middle part of the month, we start to see uh, the northern half of the state of Texas become potentially impacted by frost or freezes. That is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The success of American agriculture starts with the land. So what's in an acre? Gary Joyner takes a look. The best way to describe an acre is to put it in terms Texans can visualize. An acre is about the size of a football field. One acre of land can produce many different types of crops. It depends on the fertility and type of soil, how much rain falls, and how much sun shines. In Texas, cotton is king. One acre produces an average of 821 pounds of cotton. Like strawberries, an acre produces an average of 50,500 pounds of strawberries. An acre produces an average of 46.4 bushels of wheat. That's 3,054 pounds of grain. Managing these acres and growing these crops are family farmers. In fact, 98% of U.S. farms and ranches are family-owned and operated. American agriculture is a success story like no other, and it starts with the land, one acre at a time. Feeding, clothing, and fueling America on that land is worth an end-zone celebration every time. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Regulation changes for wild turkey hunting season this year. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. And xylitol is an artificial sweetener used in many human foods and medicines, but it's toxic to dogs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 
Xylitol is a very common artificial sweetener. It's used in many human foods and medicines. But Dr. Bob Judd says we need to be careful. It's toxic to dogs. Xylitol can be found in many everyday products found in the home, including sugar-free gum, breath mints, vitamins, sugar-free desserts, peanut butter, skin care products, and many more foods. Also, many liquid medications made for humans have xylitol in the ingredients and accidentally may be given to animals. The problem is that although xylitol may be in a mixture of medications, it is not always on the label. According to the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center, xylitol poisoning episodes have increased dramatically over the last 15 years. In 2018, the ASPCA recorded 6,760 calls about xylitol, which is 30 times the number of calls related to xylitol in 2005. Because of this, two U.S. congressmen from Arizona have introduced an act called the PAWS Act of 2021, and that is PAWS spelled P-A-W-S like an animal's paws. This PAWS Act is a bipartisan legislation and if passed would require food containing xylitol to include a warning label for pets. The American Veterinary Medical Association supports passage of the PAWS Act as xylitol is one of the top 10 canine poisons as reported to the ASPCA. Symptoms of xylitol poisoning are similar to many other diseases, and poisoning episodes include vomiting, lethargy, diarrhea, and wobbling when walking. So without blood testing, these could be the symptoms of many diseases. Xylitol toxicosis causes low blood sugar in dogs, and high doses may result in liver disease. However, there are other diseases that can cause these blood test results. So having a warning label on foods containing xylitol would be helpful for vets to make a quicker diagnosis. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There have been a few rule changes for wild turkey season. Tom Nicoletti has the details in today's wildlife report. On the program today is Jason Harden with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. He is the department's wild turkey program leader. Harden outlines this season's regulation changes. We had a handful. So the most immediate ones are our fall season. We did move our north-south zone, so it's consistently along Highway 90 from San Antonio West moving forward. It used to transition to go further north, so you might be in the north zone in the spring and the south zone in the fall. That was creating some confusion. So we cleaned up those regulations. In doing that, we moved four counties that were historically in the north zone to the south zone. So those were Goliad, Gonzales, Carnes, and Wilson County. And basically all we do is that just adds a little bit extra time to the season for that south zone. And then for the spring, that actually had an impact on about 22 counties that historically would have been in the south zone that are now in the north zone. They're going to open that Saturday close to April 1 instead of the Saturday closest to March 18th. And that includes Bandera, Bear, Blanco, Brewster, Comal, Crockett, Edwards, Gillespie, Guadalupe, Hayes, Jeff Davis, Kendall, Kerr, Kimball, Kenny, Medina, Pecos, Real, Sutton, Terrell, Uvalde, and Valverde counties. There were some regulation changes impacting the opening date for a handful of those counties that used to be in the south zone, will now be in the north zone. Pay attention to your outdoor annual. Go look and, and figure out what day your season opens. But it will be moving forward, we hope, a lot less confusing on those regulations. If you are south of Highway 90, your season will open the Saturday close to March 18th. If you're north of Highway 90, your season will open the Saturday close to April 1. That is Jason Harden at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 
We saw a lower cattle market to kick off the week, but cotton, corn, and wheat all took off to the upside on Monday. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a lower close in the cattle market on Monday, but cotton and grains really took off to the upside. We'll start with the cattle complex, where prices were lower for both live and feeder cattle futures. December live cattle down 42, 128.85. February down 32 at 133.90. April live cattle down 50 cents, 136.72. The feeder market got hit even harder. Higher corn prices putting pressure on the feeders. November feeder cattle down 217 at 154.40. January down 340, 152.72. March feeders down 317 at 154.22. Cash fed cattle market all quiet as we typically see on a Monday. Looks like the feedlots are hoping to get another two to three bucks out of the Packers this week. That's after adding two to four dollars onto the cash market last week, depending on where you look. We were two bucks higher here in the south, as much as four dollars higher up north. The show lists appear to be somewhat lower in Nebraska and Colorado, also lower here in Texas and Kansas. The box beef market on Monday was mixed choice, up 43 cents, 286.15, select down 45 at 262.92. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Time for a glass of iced tea and a livestock market operator report from Jody Fry at Producers in Cargyle, San Angelo. He sold them this last Thursday. Jody, how did it go? Wound up with about 750 head total. Better quality calves, another one to three dollars higher. The lesser quality calves, steady to slightly lower. Slaughter cows and bulls, firm to a dollar higher. Very limited supply today of bred cows on offer. Better quality steers, four to six hundred pounds from 125 all the way up to a high of 185, mostly 130 to 155. Six to eight hundred pound steers, 110 up to a high of near 150, mostly 120 to 140. Better quality heifer calves, four to six hundred pounds, 115 up to a high of near 150, mostly 120 to 140. Slaughter cows, average to high yielding, 48 to 58. Some of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 59 to a high of 65. Then 
thinner or lower yielding type cows from 33 to 45. Slaughter bulls averaged to high yielding from 70 to 86. Did still have some of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 87 to a high of 93. Bred cows and two-year-olds averaged to better quality. Just a few of those on hand today. Young to, to solid mouth cows, some heavy breads, and they'd just be singles in small groups anywhere from 850 to 1,025 per head. Good. What do you think for next week, Jody? I look for more sheep and goats than we had one week prior to uh, deer season. Uh, we almost hit that 5,000 mark Tuesday. I look for a few more, somewhere in that range of five to 6,000 head on Tuesday and should bounce back a little bit on cattle numbers, hoping for 800 to 1,000 next Thursday. Tell everybody how to contact you, please. You bet. They're at the office, 325-653-3371. Mobile phone would be 234-7895. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close slightly higher on Monday. December hogs up seven cents, seventy-six fifteen. February up twelve at seventy-eight eighty. Class three milk was slightly higher. November milk up eighteen cents, eighteen sixty-eight a hundredweight. Big run-up in the cotton market on Monday. In fact, we were limit up five cents on the nearby December contract. Strong Chinese and fund buying helping to push the market higher. Also news out of India that their crop is only getting worse. All of that added up to a sharply higher trade on Monday. December finishing a tick off of the limit. It was up 499 points. 11984. March cotton up 381 at 115.03. The December 22 contract up 156 points, closing at 92.56. The corn market saw its fifth consecutive day of gains, helped higher by active ethanol demand. Also, bullish spillover coming from the wheat market. We'll get to that in just a second. First, here's how the corn market wrapped up. December up 10 and three quarters, 579 a bushel. March corn up 10 and three quarters, 587. New crop September 22 corn up seven and a half, 562 and a quarter. Tight wheat supplies continue to put support underneath the market. We jumped above $8 on the nearby December Kansas City contract. It's just getting harder and harder to procure wheat here at the end of the year, and that is helping to support prices. December Kansas City wheat up 20 and three quarters, 806 and a half, while the new crop July was up 19 and a half, 794 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up 19 and three quarters, closing at 795 and a half. In the energy markets on Monday, December natural gas was down 28 cents, 513. December crude oil up 34 at 83.91 a barrel. The financial markets were slightly higher. The Dow up 45 points, 35,864. The Nasdaq up 62 at 15,560. The S&P up one point at 4,607. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.